Good afternoon and welcome to Jay's Talk Plus. I'm Blake Murphy. Your Toronto Blue Jays, very, very close to locking up home field in the wild card series. They did that by just continuing to kick the crap out of the Boston Red Sox. Uh, they sweep them on the weekend. They finished the season series 16 and three against them, outscore them by 70. If you actually took the Jays games away from the Red Sox season, they actually look like a reasonably competent team. Then you throw that 16 and three with a big old plus 70 on there. Not so much. Uh, we are coming to you an hour earlier than usual. Little programming note. Jays Talk Plus, three hours now until the Jays are knocked out of the playoffs or win the World Series, either or. Um, obviously, that'll change a little bit around game times. The Jays play at four on Wednesday, so we'll maneuver around that. Uh, the Jays might play in the afternoon on Friday. We don't know. But if the Blue Jays playing schedule allows, we'll be in the two to five slot until they're done, which is exciting. Uh, magic number down to two to host the wild card series. So Jays win tonight and Seattle loses the Jays will host the Jays win two of the next three. They'll host Seattle loses two of the next three Jays will host. It'll be a little less clear who their opponent is initially. Um, Seattle and Tampa Bay are separated by only a game and a half. Seattle has the extra game to make up tomorrow in a doubleheader against the Tigers. We'll go through some of those scenarios in a little bit, but what you need to know from the Jays side They've got three left at Baltimore. If the weather cooperates, I think we're facing a situation where if this is locked up early, the Jays might have, I think it's the third time in franchise history, finished with 161 games. Uh, there may not be a need to make one of them up if the, the playoff seating is uh, determined, but we'll see. It's uh, Jose Brios and Dean Kramer tonight. Lots of guests today, of course, because we're three hours. So we're going to talk to Drew Fairservice later. We're going to talk to Oren Weisfeld. We're going to talk to Julia Kreutz. But right now, joining me in studio for an hour is Ben Nicholson-Smith. Ben, how are you, buddy? Blake, it's great to be here. We're in the uh, the old studio. I used to do uh, at the letters out of this studio, and I have not been in here in literally years. But it's great to be here talking Jays with you after absolute destruction of the Boston Red Sox all weekend long. It has been fun. Um, it's obviously good to beat any team, but it's really good to kick the Red Sox when they're down. And at the risk of upsetting the gods of baseball karma, this has been a fun season to have some friends who are big Red Sox fans. 16 and three. Six, like that is very one-sided. You do not see that in Major League Baseball very often. And yet here we are talking about a Blue Jays team that just destroyed the Red Sox consistently. So, you know, they they really earned it. There was very little doubt all weekend long, um, kind of joking with with Shai Davidi at times. He was writing our gamers Friday and Saturday, and he was saying, this is this is great. You know, a 10 nothing game. This is kind of the, the perfect storm for uh, a relatively straightforward, you know, no last-minute lead changes, no rewrites. So um, a chance for the Blue Jays to breathe a sigh of relief, even if there was a wrinkle thrown in there on Sunday with Kevin Gosman, the status of his finger. I still think, you know, the Jays have to be very, very pleased with where they're positioned. Obviously, they celebrated on Friday. <laughs> you know, that was a well-earned celebration, uh, despite what anyone else might say. Of course, you deserve the chance to celebrate. Um, uh, you didn't respond to my tweet, by the way. Did you celebrate? Oh, did I sell? I might have had a beer after. That's, oh. that's about it. 
Um, Hell yeah. yeah. No, no real celebration. Certainly no, uh, no dynamic lighting, um, no strobe lights, but uh, the Jays earned it, right? So they, they came out the next day and played really well. They did. And, uh, you know, that was the question, right? Is, are you going to run into Otto Lopez gets his first career start kind of thing? And they avoided that. They went with the regular lineup and Friday and Saturday were both able to get guys out of there early. Yeah, because they were so dominant. And that's the way to do it, right? I think you want to start with your A lineup and really try to win because these games do still matter for home field advantage. And so they're able to do do that. No traces of a hangover. And I think that's, I think, you know, we like to kind of imagine, um, you know, are these guys hung over? And I think the reality is like, first of all, they're 24, 25, 26, <laughs> right? So the hangovers, I think, don't hit quite as hard at that age. And they're professional athletes. They're taking care of themselves. It's not like it's the first time they've had a beer or a glass of champagne in their life. So they were, they were out there producing at peak levels on Saturday and Sunday. And the Jays needed that too, because now they're in a great position to actually get home field advantage and potentially be hosting playoff games here within a few days. Friday. As soon as Friday, it could be a lot of fun. And and Ben, you will be sharing the radio color commentary duties. Yes, exactly. I'll be in there uh, starting Friday uh, with Ben Wagner, Arden Swelling, also contributing in that role. Should be a ton of fun. Um, have had really a great time doing some games, uh, color commentary this year. Uh, great perspective, great view, great opportunity. So super stoked to be doing some of that. It'll be awkward though when you get there and you're like Blake get out of my seat because I'll be doing <laughs> pregames from there as well I think we're going to do everything from the stadium when the when the Jays are at home which is a lot of fun uh, we'll see what Friday's game is but I think show and I are going to do Saturday and Sunday pregames and then I'll just slot in wherever so I'll keep that seat warm for you I'll get your score card ready and Amazing. everything yeah you gotta I, I don't know do you score the game when you while you do it a hundred percent it's actually for me, necessary. Like to to do okay. the, if I'm writing, I also have to score. And then if I'm doing the games on radio, I think it's even more necessary to have like a, actually a complete scorecard. It was really cool to hear Buck Martinez in that Globe and Mail piece talk about how he keeps the notebook and scoring and will go back to things and has, uh, you know, a whole system. And, and I have that on Raptors. Like people make fun of me all the time for my notebooks and there's codes and colors and stuff. If I'm on Jay's full time next year, I, I, I think my plan is to like custom make a scorebook. I've looked into that in the past and I know that uh, our, our friend Caitlin McGrath, I think has one that mm -hmm. she has made up. Um, other, other folks have definitely made up their own uh, scorebooks. I, it's a, it's a great way to go. Um, I, I've always liked scoring games and I think, you know, even, even this is years ago now, but Jerry Howarth um, walked me through some of his scorecards from 2015, the bat flip game and kind of his Amazing. codes and the different colored pens. And so it's, it's kind of cool. Did to he see have that. one for bat flip? Is there, a, <laughs> is there one for that? I'll have to go back and look. I'm sure I can no. find it. I, uh, this is by the way, uh, as a warning, this is how you end up with tattoos commemorating championships. Uh, this little moose guy right here, the little cartoon one, that is on me. Um, that is a joke from the Raptors championship uh, where I used to draw that for Greg Monroe when he would come into the game because his nickname was Moose. And at one point, someone was like, oh, if the Raptors win the championship, you, you got to get that tattooed. And I was like, sure, if the Toronto Raptors <laughs> win the championship. Um, so obviously, I'm not going to get a, a Raptors tattoo as media, but a little Moose on me. So you're headed that way.
Well, whatever your little bat flip score is. I, I don't have quite as much ink as uh, as you do. I'm running out of space yeah. here, so you might. I might need to put some of mine on you to uh, just. Uh, that's not that real estate option is not open no. to you. I'm sorry, Blake. That's all right. Um, so. Obviously, we're we're being a little goofy here, but I think that's because we're both pretty excited that playoff baseball's here. Um, by the way, I ran some numbers. I used the Vegas lines as an approximation of win probability for each of the remaining games for Toronto, Tampa Bay, and Seattle. I ran through all the different scenarios. I got you a nice conditional formatting table there. Um, this is what we're looking at. 76.1% chance the Jays are hosting Seattle. Yeah. 10.9% chance they're hosting the Rays. 13% chance they're visiting Seattle. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, that sounds precisely right. Yeah, it's uh, so you're looking at about 89% Seattle. How does that strike you at this moment? Well, look, the Mariners are a good team. And with Gilbert, Ray, and Castillo lined up, I mean, that's a really tough one, two, three to get through uh, to, to earn the right then to play the Houston Astros. Now, the Mariners lineup, uh, especially with Julio Rodriguez in kind of uncertain health status right now, he's working his way back, might play tonight and get his timing back the next few games. But, you know, they're not a particularly scary offensive team. Uh, I think when you look at the names in that lineup, of course, you've got Suarez, who's having a great year, but it's a lot of uh, Carlos Santana, Winker, Fraser, Ty France. I mean, this is a, more of a good offensive team than a great offensive team. Um, so... I don't think you have to be scared of what they can do to you offensively, but certainly the Jays hitters are going to have to find a way to produce against some elite starting pitcher. I don't love that Jared Kelnick looks fixed now. That makes their outfield a little more dynamic, but we'll see how much that holds up and how the Jays play against that. Um, we'll, we'll obviously go a lot more into the potential Seattle matchup as that becomes likelier and likelier. Um, opponent aside, what's your personal excitement level like right now i know you were covering the team in 2015 2016 2020 probably doesn't count for excitement or coverage uh, but it's been a minute for you yeah absolutely 2020 was all off zoom it it barely feels like it was real um just two games what was it 36 hours yeah um, if you know, that yeah 2015 was was awesome it was the first time i had covered the playoffs and there was such a buzz in this city uh no doubt about that i i also Quick aside here, I did bring up the 2015 bat flip game, Jerry Howard scorecard. So for anyone wondering, yellow highlighter, then also blue highlighter and a bunch of red ink in there. So there's no mistaking that moment yeah. on his scorecard. Um, yeah, that was that was a period of time, 15 and 16, where it was electric in the city of Toronto, as you know, as I'm sure most or all of our listeners know. And so it was really exciting. Um, now, you know, I don't. I don't know. Uh, you know what the what the vibe is going to be. I think there's a chance for things to really build. Um, I, I think right now it's not quite fever pitch in the city of Toronto, but I think that would change pretty quickly if they win a series or two. Um, so it's it's going to be really cool. The playoffs bring with them great moments, great stories. I, I think there's always the chance for some unheralded uh, people to kind of step up and do things you never would have expected from them, and. It's the time that, uh, I think this is a Ricky Romero phrase, but it's the time that legends are made, right? You can have those moments where you establish, okay, this is part of my legacy as a major league player. Every single Blue Jays fan from those years remembers Dalton Pompey more than, I mean, more than you should in general for, for what his career was. And even more than for a Canadian guy who made the team, like 
those are some legendary moments. I like Dalton Pompey. Good guy. It was nice to see him in the in the IBL this summer. Um, but yeah, he should not be like we could do some remember some guys and bring up those 2015-2016 teams, particularly their opponents, uh, the Kansas City Royals, who had zero good players. And it's tough to remember some. And then it's like, oh, yeah, Dalton Pompey, no problem. Now, it cuts the other way. And everyone has, I think, a, an image of Ryan Goins uh, in a certain moment as well. Um, you mentioned how things kind of built 2015-2016. And I think I have a, a special perspective on that because that was right around when I left a prior job to try freelance full time. So I was doing a little bit of Jays stuff, but mostly Raptors. And the two Blue Jays playoff series bookended the Raptors making that unlikely run to game six of the Eastern conference finals. So that was kind of smack in the middle uh, of those two playoff years. So for me, that was just, you know, not only very, very fun as a baseball fan, but also like helped make my career possible because the Raptors were like, Oh yeah, you can make enough money to live. Thank goodness for that. Yeah. 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 I'm happy for it. Um, so my excitement level is pretty high as well uh let's let's check off a couple of notes things from the weekend so we can get into the meaty stuff for today uh kevin gosman cut on his finger concern status given what you know about gosman's routine keeping those hands i don't know soft hard i don't know what which direction they're trying to go with it um but should we be concerned at all about his readiness for saturday or sunday well so i i how to phrase this? I am not concerned at all. I don't think the Blue Jays are concerned at all about whether he will make the start. If you're a Blue Jays fan, he, like he's going to make a start. I, I mean, there's I guess there's a scenario where if Manoa starts one, which presumably he will, if they win game one, maybe you go stripling game two. And if you win both, then Gosman would start then your opener for the division series. That's best case scenario. Now, more likely, you probably need Kevin Gosman. Let's say it goes three games. So let's say he's pitching on Saturday or Sunday in that case. I find it really hard to imagine that he would not at least make that start. Now, I think there's some question as to what the condition of his finger will be after he throws eight or nine splitters because that's the pitch that irritates the area. It's right beside his nail, alongside the nail that got... Uh, cut he's going to do some laser work on it and we saw him go to the slider a lot more than we're used to i i assume once it started bothering him exactly so you know if he's 10 12 sli or splitters in on saturday or sunday whatever that is there's a chance that it starts bleeding again and we've seen this in playoff games with Trevor Bauer following the drone thing in 2016, like you can't be out there on the mound dripping blood. And also it diminishes the feel, it diminishes the effectiveness. You obviously want to have a finger that's not bleeding if you're trying to pitch. So I, I think there's... I would anyway. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair statement. So, you know, I do think there's some question as to what level he's able to perform at, but he'll make that start. Do you think there's any chance that, like Kurt Schilling, this is fake and it's just for dramatic effect? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. What, did Kurt Schilling say that? No, but I would accuse him of it. Okay. Because, uh, yeah. <laughs> why not dunk on the Red Sox a bit more, right? Yeah, why not? Um, I teased a Red Sox fan friend in a group chat on the weekend that uh, their Sunday lineup with no Bogarts and no Devers, or as we'll call it, the 2023 Red Sox... Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I'm yeah, I was I was a little bit of a risky weekend taking shots like that at people. <laughs> um the other thing to update or, or note here, um Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Santiago Espinal both working their way back. It sounds like Espinal is maybe a little bit closer and more likely to get into a game before the playoffs. Gurriel's status kind of a big old question mark still. Yeah, I, I think Espinal, he was doing drills all weekend, seemed pretty comfortable as the weekend progressed. Um, so I do think that he'll be available. I do think that he'll be on that roster. Guriel Jr., he's got to run the bases and, and sprint, and he's got a few days to do that in Baltimore, but I think less of a guarantee there for Lourdes. Okay, so what I want to do with our second segment today is I have a 26-man roster sheet drawn out here. We're going to fill it in. Nice. We're going to go through all those decisions. And it's blank, folks. Yeah. Blake is not cheating here. This is a blank page. Yeah. Um, we're going to go through that. But before we do that, over these next three games, um, other than health, what are you looking for? Is there any player or reliever or anything like that that you're you know, curious about something they're working on or, or waiting on something? There, there seem to be a few things that are clicking well right now. For guys, uh, curious what you're watching these next three days. Well, honestly... I think Mitch White is pitching for, if not a job in the wildcard series, then in the division series when you might have the chance to carry an extra arm. He's slated to start tomorrow. Um, again, we'll see what that looks like. If they're postponed tonight, you presume they would play a doubleheader tomorrow. So, you know, we'll see what it looks like with um, with Mitch White. But Zach Pop uh, was really good on the weekend on Sunday. I've uh, been super impressed with yeah. him in general since they got him. He's been really good. So, you know, he's pushing for a spot. And then Kikuchi was low-key good in a save situation on, I want to say, Saturday. I mean, one of those three-inning saves and a blowout. But Kikuchi has at least put himself back on the fringes of the conversation. And so I think for Mitch White, he's probably been pushed out a little further than he might have been a couple weeks ago. Here's the other thing about Kikuchi's potential utility in a wildcard series. The Seattle Mariners start four lefties in their regular lineup. Now, Tim Mays is obviously there, and Trevor Richards they use functionally as a second lefty in terms of matchups. Um, and with the three batter minimum, maybe you don't care about this as much as you have in the past. But Crawford, Winker, Kelnick, Frazier all lefties. They've got a bunch of, of switch hitters as well, who I haven't, I haven't dug in just yet on which side of the plate they're better from. But um, that's the other thing is a lefty could push a guy to his weak side. So four lefties in the lineup, maybe nudges you a little more toward Kikuchi. I, I think it does. And, and like you said, you've got the switch hitters, Carlos Santana, Toro, Haggerty and rally are all switch hitters. So that's eight hitters potentially who can hit from the left side. Now, it's also interesting because Manoa and Barrios are not as effective against lefties. With, with Manoa, you just kind of, you throw him out there, you hope for the best. Yeah, and Manoa, like when we say he's not as effective against lefties, it's like, oh, lefties are bad against him, righties are terrible against him. Exactly. Whereas Barrios, it's righties are solid against them and lefties torture. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, Barrios presumably on the roster either way. Kikuchi, I agree. I think because of those lefties, you might be a bit more inclined to roster Yusei. Uh, okay, while we're on Jose Barrios, because I think this start means something for him tonight too. It could be the difference between is he not used at all in the wildcard series or is he given a chance to go once through the order and then Ross Stripling piggybacks or something like that. Um, weirdly, he he had a couple of solid starts in a row where his curveball was not working at all. And then his curveball was really working last start and he got hit harder. It's, it's kind of continues the perplexing season he's had. Um, but Ben, he is at 166 innings right now. 
with an ERA of 537. There have only been six Blue Jays ever who were allowed to pitch that many innings or more with a worse ERA. Can you name any of them? Oh, wow. Um, and I'll give you a hint off the top. The Halliday one that is very famous for mm-hmm. and, and is right here on my arm um, n- did not qualify. doesn't have enough innings here for our, our little experiment. So 1064, not in the mix here. Okay, so that's out of the mix. Now, so you said they're five. They're six. They're six. And they have, who have done as many innings? 166 wow. innings or more with a 537 ERA or higher. Okay. So that's what Barrios is at right now. Um, all right. Uh, I think I'm going to need some hints here. Okay. Well, I'll give you one hint. Uh, you referenced him just a minute ago. Hmm. You said it was his phrase, legends are made. Ricky Romero. 577 in 2012. Okay. So there's one. Um, all right. Uh, uh, one, the one with the worst CRA, it's not Halliday, same era and also went on to be an ace. Chris Carpenter? 626. Wow. In 2000. That's rough. Yeah, that's rough. Um, um, I'll give you another one. Um, same era, eventually transitioned to uh, a bullpen role. Uh, Escobar? Yeah, Calvin Escobar. Really? 1999 had a 569 ERA. Wow. Um, the last three, I don't know how to give you hints for. They're just okay. bad. Uh, we'll go 1979, Phil Huffman. Okay. Don't know how I would have given yeah, you a hint no. on that one. Uh, 2003, Corey Little. And 1996, Eric Hansen. Okay. I remember Eric Hansen, former yeah. Mariner. Yes. And they they traded. Who did they trade for him? That's going to bug me now. They they sent someone out to get Eric Hansen, and it was a very bad trade. Um, but I can't remember. <laughs> uh Derek Brandeo behind the glass wants R.A. Dickey to be on that list, but he's not. It only uh, it only felt that way sometimes. Oh, no, sorry. they. I must be thinking of someone else. Eric Hansen was just a free agent signing and then released midway through the season. All hmm. right. And Corey Lytle, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Some All throwback right. names right there. Oh, so Eric Hansen was coming off of an all-star season. Wow. Jay Sinem. He goes 13 and 17 with a 541. Yeah, that's a that's a rough one. I, you know, Drew Hutchison at one point had a very high ERA in a lot of innings. I want to say that was 16. Yeah, and there was also that he had he just had a weird career statistically anyway where like he had those bizarro home road splits that had no explanation. He had a 557, but he only pitched 150 innings. So he's just below our cutoff here. Right. Um by the way, a guy who threw 105 innings this year Wow, the Tigers are bad. They sure That's are. That's what that says to And me. the Jays need maybe a little bit of help from them over these next couple days. Um, I'm going to do another remember some guys-ish thing with Drew Fairservice a little later. Um, there have been 32 pitchers and 20 position players play for the Blue Jays this year. I'm not going to make them name all of them, but we're going to we're gonna throw some tough ones at them. Wow. I mean, that's, I hope, I wish Drew a lot of luck on that. He'll probably, he'll be good at that for sure. Um, but man, the, uh, that ERA one is tough. That's, that is a, that's a tough one. It's a tough one. I and, appreciate a tough trivia question. Yeah, that's a good and one. if we were doing like a proper trivia thing, I would pick a more reasonable cutoff than the exact number of innings Jose Brios has pitched this year. But 
this is this is what we do. It's like it's like when I've been doing the Kevin Gosman Babbitt record tracker. It's just however many innings Gosman's pitched is what I'll use the use as the cutoff. Um, All right. We're going to get a little bit more serious after a break here. What we're going to do is we're going to sit here with this sheet of 26 spots on it. Nine guys in the order, nine positions, bunch bench spots, couple starters, couple relievers. Ben and I are going to fill out our wild card roster for the Toronto Blue Jays um, after the break. As Jays Talk Plus Plus Extended Edition uh, continues next on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Welcome back to Jays Talk Plus. I'm Blake Murphy. Mike in Toronto texting in that uh, Jack Morris in 1993 had a 6.19 ERA, but only 152 innings. So uh, he, hey, for the guy who's the inning eater and pitches to the score, not enough innings pitched for our little random cutoff. Uh, I am still joined by Ben Nicholson-Smith of Sportsnet, of At The Letters. Ben, it is time. We are, it's not actually time. The Jays have a couple days to figure it out. Um, the 89 to 90% chance right now that they'll play the Mariners will become larger or smaller. We are going to assume the Jays are playing the Mariners because again, that's when I crunch the numbers, it's about 90% likely in a, in a couple different ways. So um, we're going to assume that I have a 26 slot roster sheet laid out here. We're going to do it. Um, not to put words in your mouth. But I think at number one and in center field, we could probably put George Springer. I'm with you. All right. Um, Bo, second and playing shortstop. He's making the team. Vlad at first. Um, And then we get into our first, like, interesting one, which is how do you balance Kirk and Jansen? Are they both in the lineup? Because Kirk would be in the fourth spot if uh, he's in the lineup. But I don't know if you feel any kind of way about whether he's a, an everyday guy in there or uh, going to take some days off. I think Kirk will hit every day. Uh, I think he will catch for Manoa. And I think Jansen will catch probably most of the other games at this point. We've seen Kirk used sparingly and, and with a sense of kind of caution uh, to this point. And Jansen's been so good that you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about him. So I, I think Kirk... Um, safely in that four spot. Now the days that this is a little further down the order, but the days that Kirk catches Manoa Jansen leads this team in WRC plus. Is he taking the DH spot that day? Yeah. I, I don't see any reason not to. I mean, I think, I think Jansen would be a great, uh, great candidate right there. And, and you know, if he's facing Robbie Ray he certainly knows what's coming. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they all do really Pete Walker, um, should give that entire roster a nice little rundown of what to expect against Robbie Ray. And most of them, most of them know it, but not all of them. Um, a nice little refresher course can help them against the guy that, you know, won the Cy Young last year. Not a, not a bad point there. And we'll see, you know, we'll see how it goes against a Luis Castillo or someone like that. But the Robbie Ray one is fascinating. It's also a, a little extra fascinating just because, the Jays had this thing earlier in the year where the talking point was that they couldn't hit lefties, but that only ended up being true for like soft tossing starting lefties. So even then, right, like statistically that didn't hold up. The Jays hit lefties just as well as righties uh, on the season. But while it was a thing, 
Robbie Ray is still a guy they would have profiled well against. So, yeah, interesting to uh, to see how that plays out. Um, five six Teoscar Hernandez, Matt Chapman. No, no need to change it up there. Yeah, in some order. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm curious. Have you? I know that ahead of the season we talked a little bit about. Um, you know, the Jays using maybe a non-conventional platoon style. And I think most of that talk was talk was around Biggio and Espinal. And it wasn't, you know, it's lefty righty at its base, but maybe Biggio profiles against certain lefties well, or certain righties better than others. Um, the Teo and Chapman flipping in the order sometimes. Is that something like that? Or is that just a feel thing on Schneider's part? I get the sense it's a feel thing. Okay. I, I haven't dug too deep into that, but, for example, Teoscar coming off the weekend, the the stretch that he's on, really dating back a couple of weeks now, I, I think he probably needs to be batting fifth, if not fourth. Like, just get him up there higher in the order at a time that he's hitting really well. I, I would have no problem with seeing him right after Vladdy or after Kirk. Um, he probably should be ahead of Chapman at this point. Yeah, I think so. And I think I would argue he should be ahead of Kirk. They seem to really like Kirk in the fourth slot. I like a little bit more pop out of it and Kirk's bat the ball a little further down the lineup with more maybe runners and scoring position opportunities. But um, either way, when those are your uh, four five, six options, like, like when you're talking about how to juggle five, six, I think you're in good shape. Uh, now we get to the tough options though. We know Jansen is going to be in one of these final three spots in the batting order, left field and second base. Now a couple weeks ago, left field was a lock. It was Lourdes Gurriel jr. He might not, be ready for the wild card series. And even if he is, he might be rejoining this lineup without the benefit of any at bats or time in the field. Does that put Rymel Tapia in a, in a starting spot in left field? If it, it, it really depends on what we see the next few days. Mm-hmm. If the series began today, you have to go with Tapia mm-hmm. uh, as of now, he's the guy who's doing it for you in this moment. So of course that could change. Um, You have to be open to Lourdes coming back, showing you something. Maybe you even get him into a live setting on that workout day on Thursday, heaven face Matt Bushman throwing 85, (laughs) whatever you can get, right. You want to get his timing ready for Lourdes. So that's, um, that's important, but and you'd probably prefer Lourdes in the Robbie Ray game. than Ronald Toppy or Shane McClanahan. If it's the Rays instead, because that's a tough, tough, those are both tough lefties. That's right. So, you know, I think at this point, both are on the team if they're healthy. Uh, you know, maybe we, I don't know how, who you want to pencil in right there, but it might be Tapia at this point. I, I think I'm going to pencil in Tapia um, because, again, until we see kind of proof of concept with Guriel being back. Um, also, wouldn't be the the most shocking thing if they left him off the wild card roster to continue to to get some reps and then he's on the divisional roster. Yep. Um, now, that does take away one of our more interesting debate points for a bench spot where. Tapia weirdly is the best of the bench candidates to start for Guriel, but he might have the least utility as a bench guy. Exactly. Because he's not as good a fielder or a runner as Zimmer and Jackie Bradley Jr. or as good a runner as Whit Merrifield. Um, Speaking of Whit Merrifield, I owe him an apology. Suddenly the hottest guy on the team, uh, he got a, he got a fresh haircut. He got the Gatorade dump or the, sorry, the non-branded hydrating beverage dump. He got the uh, the Hazel May interview and even played to the crowd with the CL Friday. Whatever Espinal's status is, and Kevin Biggio, I feel like we haven't seen him in forever. Whit Merrifield has taken the starting second base job, yeah? Yeah. 
he is the starting second baseman on this team. And I expect that regardless of what happens with Espinal the next few days, I just think we see Whit Merrifield in there when the playoffs begin. And then I think Whit Merrifield is a pretty natural nine hitter, which would make Jansen slot in at eight. And uh, yeah, you're feeling, I mean, you could argue Jansen up higher. They've tended to hit Tapia a little higher than I maybe would. He's the only regular still with a WRC plus below 98. Um, but he's been, he's been pretty solid as well. And I think as a lefty bat, they don't mind just having a bit of a different look in there mm-hmm. um, in a lineup that's still predominantly right-handed. Yeah, right-handed and, and, you know, at certain parts of the order, pull heavy. Not uh, not that there aren't guys that can use all fields, but Danny Jansen's pulling that ball. So, um, you know, it, it, that makes it a little tougher to breaking up, say, Jansen and Chapman um, if you want a like-typed right-handed reliever coming in against that part of the order, for example. Um, we know the Jays like Simber and Pop and Bass against certain hitter types. And if you can break those guys up a little bit, makes a manager's job a little tougher. So that stuff's straightforward. I think we know Biggio's on the bench. Yep. I don't, I don't, even though we haven't seen him a lot. Then you have the Jackie Bradley Jr. Bradley Zimmer question. I think they're probably both on from what we've seen. So uh, before we go too much further here, so are Espinal and and Lourdes healthy? Like, how are we proceeding with them? I'm putting Espinal on my bench. Yeah. I think as a pinch runner slash defensive replacement, even um, he's so slick defensively and is your insurance at basically every infield position. Like you don't want a scenario where Kevin Biggio has to play third base or Whit Merrifield has to play shortstop. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, if Bobichet gets ejected, for example, I mean, just to pick a, a scenario, then you don't want Matt Chapman having to slide over. And yeah. I think Chapman would be a better shortstop. I would love to see it in yeah. a regular season game. Yes, but that's a regular season thing that would be fun in the playoffs. Not fun. So, I, okay, I, I agree then. So Espinal's on the bench in this scenario. Yeah, Espinal and Biggio we have penciled in. Yes, and then Lourdes is on the injured list recovering in this scenario. I think so. Okay, we can roll with that. Okay, we'll, we'll play out both. Because Espinal, I think, I wouldn't pinch run with Espinal, but I do think Espinal would be a very good defensive replacement, almost mm-hmm. like a special teams with your Bradley Jr. and your Bradley Zimmer yeah. that you can do late in games that you're winning or tied. Okay. So if Jackie Bradley Jr. and Bradley Zimmer are in there, that would mean the one guy on the fringes. And I think we're in agreement. Otto Lopez is not making this playoff roster. No shot. Gabriel Moreno. I would have him on my roster, at least for the wild card series. Now, I'm not a big believer in the fear of like, what if you lose a catcher and have to lose the DH spot? Like that comes up so rarely and it would ostensibly happen later in a game and, you know, okay, you can pinch hit for the pitcher, it, whatever. The opportunity to use your bevy of pinch runners on Jansen and or Kirk and double switch around that by having an extra catcher on the bench, to me in a three-game series is pretty valuable. My guess would be John Schneider likes that too, given how often we've seen this team carry a third catcher even when they're not using them. So right now we have the nine starting players, obviously. Yes. How many are on the bench right now? The, Moreno would make five. So Moreno Moreno is, that's the the 10th reliever is gone then. Yes, I, I think that's fine. Like in this scenario, you still have a 12-man pitching staff, mm-hmm. which 13 is the max, but 12, I mean, that's still your three starting pitchers plus nine. Yeah. 
like for a three game three game series, mm-hmm. you can definitely get by with that many pitchers. Yeah. Um, you know, even if it is back to back to back games. And if you're really uncomfortable with it, you could leave Barrios off the wild card roster. Tell them, hey, you're starting game one of the DS. You could. I I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't but. do it. I, I like having the insurance policy yeah. of Barrios around. Um, but Moreno is, ni- is a nice player to have on. Now, if Lourdes is healthy, I would take him over Moreno, of course. But, you know, I, I'm intrigued by the idea of having Moreno on the roster. And that the question then is, okay, so let's play out the scenario where Lourdes is healthy enough to at least be a platoon black, platoon bat slash pinch hitter you can bump moreno you can bump zimmer jackie bradley jr or you can bump tapia for one of those spots i don't think you bump espinal or biggio just for positional balance you have so many outfielders already um who are you knocking off if lourdes guriel can play Probably Moreno for me. Okay. And I know some people are probably listening and thinking, why do you need so many outfielders? And that's a fair point. But to me, there is a clear use case for Zimmer and for Bradley Jr. Like if you're winning that series, if you're advancing through the wildcard round, those guys are playing meaningful innings in games that are very close and late and helping you lock it down. So that's a clear value that these guys bring. And so, yeah, it's a little clunky. It's a little unconventional, but I actually like that. I yeah, I guess some of it depends just how good Lourdes is, like in terms of ready to go, because I do think a Lourdes Guriel in left, and I know that he has a reputation for some circus routes and stuff like that. He has one of the best arms among left fielders in baseball. Guys have basically stopped trying to take the extra base against him, um, at least, you know, in, in what we can see from the data. And then Springer and Wright is more than fine. And I I would they have taken Springer out for defensive replacement during the regular season. I don't think they'd actually do that in a playoff game. I think they'd bump him to right, and that's probably it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, depends on the situation, I think. Mm-hmm. Depends on the lead. Um, but one thing you could do is you could have Springer, Bradley, and Zimmer as your outfield mm-hmm. defensively. Um yeah, it depends on on the situation, but I like having the option of having those two defensive aces to come in late in the game in the outfield. Yeah, I think personally, I would axe Zimmer there. Um, I know this team thinks highly of him, has kept him on the roster all year, with the exception of the couple games he played for Philly. Um, I think whatever the metrics say over two small sample seasons, Jackie Bradley Jr. has looked at least as capable in center field. Um, Maybe this is uh, years of watching the American League East that Jackie Bradley Jr. just seems incredible to me. And Zimmer is a better base runner. Um, Those long strides in terms of going first to third, second to home, stuff like that. But we just haven't seen it a lot. So I, I struggle to think of the playoff scenario where that comes up now. I'm sorry. I'm kind of talking my way through this. I had thought for a little while, Oh, Whit Merrifield off the bench, you know, he's as capable a runner as Bradley Zimmer, but now if he's starting, you don't have that option. That's a good point that you just made against yourself potentially. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. I think 
you know, to me, JBJ is such a good defensive outfielder, and I love the arm that he brings mm-hmm. in right field, the accuracy, the strength of that arm. Uh, it's the best arm in the Jays outfield, in my opinion, despite whatever StatCast says about Tapia. And, uh, and no, certainly... Tapia only had the max right. velocity. It doesn't yeah. have the average velocity. And just the consistency, like yeah. how do you get to that velocity? How efficient are you in making those throws? How accurate are you? JBJ, to me, has the best arm on the team. So I, I think he's definitely on, and Zimmer probably a slight step below. If both Guriel and Espinal can't make the wildcard roster. It is then today's roster. And then you punt Otto Lopez and you take the 13th pitcher because you're not going to use Otto Lopez. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Okay. Lopez is not making it in any situation in my mind, barring further injuries. And, you know, look, I I don't think they need to take 13 pitchers in a three game series, but if, neither Espinal nor Lourdes can make it. Just take the extra arm. Give yourself that security blanket because it certainly doesn't hurt to have that arm around. All right, let's go to the pitcher side then. Uh, Manoa starting game one, that is all but confirmed. Yep. I know our pal Arden Zwelling made a case on Blue Jay Central on the weekend to have Gosman hold off until game three. I don't like it. I would rather he pitch game two. He's then available sooner for the next one and... I don't know. And this is something that I feel like has been under appreciated in the save Gosman for a game three slash game one of the division series conversation. And that's say you do that and game two goes poorly. Well, your bullpen for game three is much more fatigued than than it would be for a game three. If you go Manoa Gosman and you split them. True. Now, I, I think at this point, they will have the chance against the Orioles in all likelihood to rest those guys on Wednesday at least. Mm-hmm. At this point with the rain, maybe well, Someone's not. got a pitch. Yeah, it can be Kikuchi, though. You know, if you go Kikuchi, uh, you know, obviously let White go six tomorrow for sure. Um, let Kikuchi go six. Um, you know, and then some guys will want tune-ups and you can let them go one inning. So either they'll have two days of rest and or they'll have one day of rest. They'll be good to go. So I'm not worried about the relievers. Obviously, you have to you know treat them with respect, but mm-hmm. this is the playoffs. They're here to go. So that's fine to use them, in my opinion. There's me, also like a silly, kind of a sillier situation where if you want to get really creative and Mitch White isn't on your playoff roster, you could option him after his start, call up another guy for the final day of the season. True. To eat some innings. True. And then all that means is you can't recall Mitch White until another 10 days. Yeah. Um, which maybe you're okay with. So barring an injury. Now, okay, so here's the one thing that if you win game one with Manoa, then I'm open to the stripling idea for a couple reasons. One, because it creates the possibility that you win and then boom, Gosman's ready ALDS game one. So that's fine. That's that's intriguing. But two, it also gives Gosman one extra day to get that laser treatment on mm-hmm. his finger. So that's that to me nudges it to where if they win game one, maybe you go Gosman in game three. If you lose game one, Gosman has to go game two. And I think it was you I was talking to. Gosman strikes you as the type that would be okay with that. I know some pitchers are maybe a little too meticulous between starts and their routines to adjust on the fly like that. He'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. So whatever order Stripling and Gosman go in games two and three, they're your two and three pitcher. Jose Barrios is around as your number four, but you're not starting Barrios and piggybacking Stripling. You're starting Stripling. Yeah. Okay. So we go to the bullpen now. Jordan Romano. 
I think he's in. I think so. Let him pitch with a dart in his mouth if oh, you really want. How how amazing was that photo? It was excellent. I'm not a smoker, but I've been craving one since. So it's so good. Um, I think we can probably go Jimmy Garcia, Tim Meza, Adam Simber, Anthony Bass, all locks. Yep. Um, anyone else you would call a lot? I mean, I think we know what it's going to look like, but Phelps is pretty close. Phelps like, pretty he's, close. He's not going to not make it. I would have pop more or less locked in. I, I think the ground ball ability and what he's shown you overall since you got him, but since he got recalled as well, um, there's also that thing they've talked about where they, they see something in the pop Simber combination with the arm slots and the deliveries where um, makes them, they, they kind of play up together. I like that. And okay. then uh, if, you know, we're making the assumption here they're playing the Mariners, Trevor Richards is on this team mm-hmm. as a as a righty who does well against lefties. And then Kikuchi and White are on the outside looking in. Because that's eight plus four, so that's 12. Yeah. Yeah. So in this scenario, Kikuchi's outside looking in and White is. And, and of those two, you know, I, I think Kikuchi's closer to breaking through and finding a spot on this team than White is. At least against a lefty heavy team like the Mariners. Yep. Force them to pinch hit, force them to use switch hitters from their weaker side, whatever you got to do. So Kikuchi and White would be on the outside looking in. You have some AAA guys you could call on. You could go to the old Matt Gage route and imagine we find out that they didn't call him up before because it's this brain genius thing of actually we were hiding him for the playoffs. Um, Nate Pearson still exists as our text line will always let you know. That's not happening. No. Uh, Merriweather. <laughs> I don't think so, no, man. If he so. pitches in a playoff game, I might have a meltdown. Yeah. You won't be alone. So that's what our wild card thing looks like. And obviously there are some question marks here around the health of Guriel and Espinal and things flow from there, including how many pitchers you, you take, um, how many hitters you take. Last question on the roster construction. Does your opinion on any of these things or your overall strategy change heading into the divisional series where you have game off day game off day game 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 yeah it does um man you know it does give you the chance with that schedule and there's an off day before it starts too on yeah, monday at least so, one possibly yes. two if you can sweep exactly so a week from today there will not be the jays will not be playing baseball a week from today so that's one chance for them to rest um you know, that gives your bullpen conceivably a decent chance to to recover. Uh, I still think in a five-game series, you know, you're not taking fewer than 12 pitchers, and I think you're probably taking 13. And I think you're probably taking, you know, Kikuchi's someone, who, and I know, like, for, for I, I don't see the text line in front of me, but I can imagine that some people are thinking, Kikuchi, really? He's not pitching in leverage. You can't use him in high leverage, but... You know, if you need someone to absorb three innings when you're up or down seven or eight runs, that's a decent option to have. Um, so I could see him making it on at the expense of, is that a Zimmer, for example, or Moreno at that point? Yeah, and I think that that, whether it's Kikuchi or, or White or whoever it is, the longer the series as we go from three to five to seven, the more utility a mop-up guy may have because in a three-game series if you get down in a game you're not punting under any scenario you have to maximize every inning and play for the 11 run inning if you have to play for the 11 run inning the longer a series gets the more you have to take the long view of look you're probably not sweeping the astros 
you're probably not sweeping the Dodgers. Um, so if you get down seven, eight, nine in a game, maybe in those cases, you live the fight another day. Yeah, I think that's a good point because, yeah, if you're down, like even in a wildcard series, and this makes the case against carrying Kikuchi, because if you're down six in game two of the in game one of the wildcard series, let's say it just it goes sideways, you're down six. I mean, you still have to give your offense a chance. So you're probably more likely using Richards, Simber, Pop. Um, you know, those are the guys you have them each go an inning and two thirds, whatever it is, 20, 25 to 40 pitches. And that's it for those guys, 25 to 35 pitches a piece. And you're not just handing it to Kikuchi and saying, well, we'll get him tomorrow because you only have so many shots. Right. How have you felt this hour has gone? Because it's raining in Baltimore. The Jays have canceled on-field batting practice. And if I have to do a three-hour show teeing up the same Orioles Jays game. Uh, I might just replay this hour tomorrow. You know what? I think it's I think it's a great hour. I think feel free. You have my blessing to rebroadcast it um, really as many times as we need to. All right. Um, by the way, um, one we got a minute left. So uh, Lindsay in Montreal asks uh, Merrifield or says Merrifield runs the bases better than anyone on the team, which is something that's been really missing. Um, do you agree with that? And I know Merrifield has the strongest stolen base track record. Some of the metrics we can look at about taking extra bases and stuff like that might say Zimmer or Chapman. How do you feel? Well, I, I think, and I know we got to be quick. I think best base stealer this year is proving to be Springer. Uh, uh, first to third. I like Merrifield. I like Biggio. Second to home. There's only one choice. It's Vlad Jr. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's it. All right. Um, ben Nicholson Smith of Sportsnet, of At The Letters, of the radio broadcast for the Blue Jays postseason on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Thanks so much for taking the time out, man. You got it. Happy to be here for hour one of three, and I'll be listening as much as I can. Couple, couple days away from Ben on the playoff broadcast. That's a lot of fun. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to throw some remember some guys trivia drew fair service as well we're going to go a different route with it though uh, we're also going to check in on his confidence or fear level with the mariners with the rays and of course with the toronto blue jays drew fair service next on jays talk plus on sports at 590 the fan